Let us pray. O Lord, indeed, speak to us. Speak to us through your scripture, that we may hear it again afresh. If this is a story that we have heard before, open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, open our hearts to your message that speaks to us. If this is the first time of hearing scripture, this piece of scripture, Lord, speak to us directly that we may hear this. We ask this in the name of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I, before I get going this morning, um, I wanted to ask you a question. Well, not actually ask you a question. I wanted to explain the graphic that we have for this series, from vision to, to action. If we think about it, a vision is like a path that is set before us. But if you just stand at the beginning of the path and do nothing, that you look down and you look at the vision, the path in front of you, then all that it is is a vision, a journey that you could take, a path that you could follow. But that is it. The destination is ahead of you. But unless you take the action to follow down that path, then the vision of the where you can be remains just that, a dream, a vision in front of you. Until you actually put that vision into actions, until you follow that path, you actually remain stagnant and still and stationary. So that's why our, our graphic for this series is actually a path and following that path. To actually go from vision to action is to walk that path that God has placed in front of us. So this series that we've been doing, we've been exploring what it means to actually have a personal vision. We've explored what it means to have a church vision. Now we're kind of exploring some of the biblical examples of people who have visions and then put them into action. To, fill, to follow that path that God has placed before them. And it's incredibly important for us to hear that we can actually follow those things. Have you ever had a time in your life when you've wanted to do something, something important, something big, but you just didn't do anything about it? You kind of just left it there. What happened? Nothing. That's the point, isn't it? If we don't follow through on our vision, nothing happens. So today we're going to be focusing on Cornelius. Now this passage that we read, and I actually left a big chunk out because I wanted us to focus on Cornelius. I didn't want us to focus on on Peter and the vision he had of the sheep coming down and all the animals and him being told to get up and kill and eat. Because I wanted us to focus on the centurion and his vision of calling for Peter to come to him. But I want to give you a bit of background before we go into this. 
so can we can un understand the context of why this is actually a big thing. You know, we kind of think, oh yeah, let's just call up somebody and invite them over to come and talk to us. It is a reasonably simple thing to do. But let's put this in context. Peter was a Jewish man. And as such, he had a history of a, and a culture of keeping separate from those who weren't Jewish. All the Jews knew that God loved them the best. They knew that. That was ingrained into it. It was taught to them. That they were God's chosen people. And as God's chosen people, they were to keep themselves separate from others. To keep themselves pure and holy. So they separated themselves. They weren't to interact with the Gentiles or non-Jews because that would make you ritually unclean and you'd have to go through the cleansing process before you could go and worship God. So here we have Peter, whose all his life, his upbringing, everything, says that I need to separate myself from those who aren't Jewish. Now he's followed Jesus around and he's being challenged all the time and he's, he's got the Holy Spirit on him and he's preaching great messages. But he's still maintaining to the tradition and the culture that he has of separating himself, of only going to the Jewish people, only to the people he thought that that message was for. Now on the other hand, you've got Cornelius as a Roman centurion. If there was a, a society that felt very superior, there wasn't the Jews in that regard, it was actually the Roman society. They were, felt they were above everything. Even though Cornelius was a Roman centurion, a, a, a leader in the army, he was also devout. He was God-fearing. But he himself would also find it unsettling to seek help from an unknown, common Jewish person. So it's going from a station where he's gone here asking for a very lowly person who has got no station, no prestige. See, when you're a leader in the Roman army, you're a professional soldier, you have a sense of superiority and authority and you deny that you have need because you are the one in control. Not only that, but the Jews hated the Romans because the Romans were, they were heathen and they, they were the ones who were occupying the land. They put them under oppression. So there's tension in this scripture passage between Peter, the Jew, and the Roman centurion. But let's hear what it says again. Let's hear what scripture says for us. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in, which, in what was known as the Italian Regiment. So in other words, he, he actually had special significance because he was from that, that part that came from Italy, from Rome. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Notice that the giving to those in need is associated with devoutness there. 
One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor, notice this, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. In other words, he wasn't seeking after himself. He was praying and seeking after the welfare of others. If you haven't noticed, when you read through Acts and when you read through Luke, there is a preferential um, treatment of those who are poor. God looks after those who are poor, and we hear this yet again in Scripture. Now, and the angel then says, Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. And when the angel who spoke to him had gone, what did Cornelius do? And I think this is so important because when we start thinking about Scripture, about vision and actually going ahead of, and actually doing action, what did Cornelius do? When the angel who spoke to him had gone, and let me put it up on the screen so you can see it. So when the angel who had spoken to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. So he got them together and he told them everything that had happened. So he told them about the vision, about what God had asked him to go and do, about Simon the Tanner and, and going to get Peter. He told them all about that and then he set them to Joppa to go and do it. It was immediate action. And he did it in the authority of who he was. He did it in his nature. He acted upon the vision. Now, he didn't go, and I think this is interesting. He didn't go, well, I wonder what it means that, you know, send men to Joppa. Does he mean I need to send a garrison? Does it mean I need to send somebody? Am I the man he's talking about? He didn't spend the time thinking and going over what's happening. He got up and said, this is what I need to do. He didn't go, I wonder if this is metaphoric or this is literal. He didn't ponder too much on the vision. He acted upon the vision. He acted upon what God placed on him and he did it immediately. Now, at the same time, Peter's having this vision. These men are going down to, to Joppa to, to find him and Peter's having this vision about unclean and clean, about the Jews and food laws. But it, more importantly, as Peter's thinking and pondering this vision, the men come and find him. But Peter has this special place. See, Peter is the one who Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church. So he has a special place in the history of Christianity, in the history of the church, that he's going to speak to all people. And when we take our great commission that Christ says, to go and preach to all at the end of the earth, to baptise it and, and do it to everybody. Originally that vision was thought that that was small. 
to all of the disparate Jewish people because they're the ones that are going to hear the message. But in this, when Peter gets this vision and it opens up and says, all people are clean. Don't you say something is unclean when I've told you it's clean. All people are clean. And so when these men come and say, can you come to Cornelius? He goes and does it immediately. He gets, well, it's probably late at night, so he offers hospitality to those servants and soldiers and then he leaves directly in the morning to go and meet with Cornelius. I always think it's interesting when people say, go and find somebody. Have you ever noticed it? It's not quite like looking up people in, you know, um, in a street directory or a telephone book. How do you find somebody within a city? What would you do? Sorry? You'd get, we'd get our phone out and ring them up and say, hey, can you tell me where you are or find the directions or look them up on Google or whatever it might be. But we don't have those things. But I notice it's really interesting that where they were going was Simon the Tanner's place, you know, the, the person that made the hides. It's probably, probably one of the most smelliest businesses around. So it would have been out the back of his house and so the easy way to find him was to follow your nose. And so they, all they had to do was find where the tanner was, or those people who made the, the, the skins into to leather and all those things, head down there and, and ask around. But I think they would have had to ask around a few places. And I think there would have been a bit of trepidation. Why are these servants and why is this Roman soldier asking for the place where Simon Peter is and where Simon the Tanner's house is. Is there something going on? And we need to keep in mind all of that as we hear Peter's response. Peter came down from the roof and he said to the men, I am the one you were looking for. Why have you come? And, and the men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. Now he's probably going, oh, hang on, what's going on? Am I going to get in trouble here? And then they carry on. He is righteous and a God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. The message of God going bigger. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. And the next day, Peter set out with them and some of the believers from Joppa went along. It wasn't just Peter. It was, more, it was the congregation. It was the people. And then he came, unto, you know, came into there and the story goes on and, and they ask why and Cornelius rephrases, the, retells the story of the vision that he had. And it's from this point, this vision, that we actually have our church as we start to see it because it's opened up to all believers. It wasn't restricted down to an individual thing. It was God placing a vision both on Cornelius and Peter that opened the church to be even bigger, to go, we are not restricted by culture. We are not restricted by history. We are not restricted by these things. Everybody needs to hear the message of Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thing? See, vision calls us to move from what we know 
Vision calls us to move from what we know and are comfortable with to something new and different. It actually calls us to do more. Vision is important, but if it is just left at that, then there is no life. Because we must act on the vision that God has given us. And this is what we see in this, this piece of scripture. Cornelius and Peter act upon the vision that God has given them and they follow through on this vision. Now, as I said, we wanted to kind of frame this not only just leaving it within scripture, but to bringing it back to some modern day examples. Now, I'm going to give you three modern day examples of people who saw something, a vision of possibilities, and who acted upon that. Now, you may have heard of Bishop Desmond Tutu. Okay? Yep. Good, 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 good. See, see, Bishop Desmond Tutu, he understood the Gospels and the Christian faith meant that he actually felt compelled to take a stand and speak up out against injustice. And see, he even was imprisoned for a short time for being bold enough to say what was happening between the blacks and the whites, between the culturally different, racially different, was wrong. And he stood up and made a stand for it. And see, the thing is, because he was so well respected, that when they put him in prison, he had an even stronger voice. And people listened to him even more. And he would speak up and actually say that we need to do something, we need to act. He said that you cannot be neutral in situations like this. And I think this is really important when you think about vision and acting on vision. You can't be neutral in what happens. A statement he made. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has its foot on the tail of a mouse, and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. You need to act. And he went, we need to act. As a people, the vision of God's love for all of the world, of not just having one race, one race over and the other, meant that he needed to act. And he carried that vision and acted upon that. Desmond Tutu, he's an you know, amazing man. If you ever hear his story and read about it, it's amazing. Another one. The Reverend, Robert, the Reverend Everett Swanson. He's the founder of Compassion. Compassion International, which is the child sponsorship organisation we're a part of. And it was during his time in the Korean War that he saw the increasing plight of orphans on the streets and saw that there needed to be much more than that. The story goes that one morning he saw city workers scooping up what looked like piles of rags and tossing them into the back of a truck. But as he had a closer look, he saw that they were the frozen bodies of orphans who were on the streets and he realised, I cannot 
stay silent, I cannot do nothing, I need to act. And there a vision was born of an organisation that would look after children and the children in need and we have compassion. Similarly, if you have a look at the Dr Robert Pierce, he's the founder of World Vision. He too saw that in China and other areas that people were going without food, clothing, shelter, medicine. And during the war years, that we needed to do more than just have weapons. And so he came back to the US and he founded World Vision out of his Christian belief that we should be looking after the poor and lowly. Three really important, pivotal things. You know, World Vision is working throughout all of the countries in the world, helping those in need. Compassion is spreading the good news of Christ and relieving poverty in the process. Desmond Tutu, Tutu was instrumental within the, the removing of apartheid in South Africa. We can go on. There are more examples of people seeing a vision and acting upon it and making big changes. And their vision is not just based on human desire, but on God's leading within their lives. Because vision is nothing without the action that brings that vision into reality. So what has God placed upon your heart to do? What vision is God leading you to go and do and walk that path with him? So let us just pray. And let us ask God to lead us in the, the path that we need to follow as individuals and as a church. Oh Lord God, we just give you thanks today that out of Scripture we can hear about Cornelius, the centurion, who was a God-fearing man, who prayed regularly and who gave to the poor and the needy and had a vision. And he acted upon that vision he did it immediately and he followed through on what God wanted him to do. We hear of Peter who acted upon his vision and on the vision that Cornelius had and acted immediately. And today we sit here in our church hearing the scriptures because of vision that is enacted because of good news that is going out to all the world our lord place in our hearts a vision place in our minds a direction for our church place in our minds a yearning to follow you in all the paths that you have for us our Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.